Welcome to Design Your Life, the podcast where we explore the central role design plays in our everyday lives and how, if harnessed correctly, has the power to positively transform the way that we live, design better businesses and sustainable solutions for the planet. We speak to creative entrepreneurs around the world about how they inspire their ideas to life and how they make it all work and the role design plays in their lives. I'm your host, founder of Frost Collective and author of Design Your Life, Vince Frost. At Frost Collective, our specialist place and environments teams work globally with architects, developers, cities, corporations, and governments, delivering successful human-centered solutions across place visioning, property branding, and strategic wayfinding and signage. To find out more, head to frostcollective.com.au. Welcome to today's episode of Design Your Life from Lego to Skyscrapers. Today I catch up with the founder of Decus Interiors and one of Australia's leading interior architects, Alexandra Donahoe Church. Listen in as we talk about the importance of trusting your gut and embracing naivety to inspire unique outcomes. Hey Alexandra, welcome to Design Your Life. How are you doing? Well, good. Thanks for having me. This oh. is really fun. First podcast ever, Vince. Oh, is so, it really? Yeah, I'm a podcast virgin. Oh. Um, so, yeah. This is, uh, this is really happening. This is cool. We met a couple of years ago, maybe it was maybe three years ago, uh, yeah. back in your studio in Queen Street in Willar. I, I love it around there. I love walking up and down that street. It reminds me of England or, or Europe, and it feel, I feel kind of at home there. And it was wonderful to kind of stumble across your place and then learn more about Decus, your, your business and, and you and everything. And um, yeah, it's always like a, it's a wonderful little gem that, that, that uh, the studio you've got there. How long have you been there? Thank you. Uh, we are coming up to, uh, we've just passed five years in this space. Um, wow. We've been in Paddington for about eight, maybe nine years total. We used to have a space that's actually now, um, it's now Madeline Blanchfield's studio in um, down around the corner in Paddington Street. But I've lived in Paddington, I lived in Paddington when I was at uni and I used to walk past our first office in Paddington mm -hmm. when I was back at uni and I thought to myself, and I think it was like an old milk bar on a corner. And I mm -hmm. remember looking at it going one day, one Aww. day, that's going to be my office. And then it came up for lease and I sort of took the plunge, um, completely terrifying. You know, I think I probably had three staff and had no money and was there for about four, three to four years. And then, and then we outgrew that space and, um, and then we found this and Queen street, I love Queen Street, I think, probably for very similar reasons to the ones you just voiced. It's that everything's quite, like, there's no high rise. So no. there's this really beautiful light because the tallest buildings are three levels. So yeah. there's light and there's space and you can see the sky and the trees. And um, I think the streetscape scale is really beautiful. So, um, and we're right near Centennial Park and, you yeah, know, Stones yeah. Road, pubs and yeah. bars and so yeah it's a good it's, spot it's really wonderful i i, I know during um when covid hit us we were in the process of our, our lease had run out in redfern and was looking for alternative places to go and i was just like oh my god let's get a shop <laughs> you know because yeah. the, the shop <laughs> it, just, it looks so nice it's kind of like a, a, a shopkeeper and you're kind of very open to the public which is lovely which you don't often yeah. get in a in a in an, in an office space you don't have that kind of interaction with the street no, it's been really nice. I mean, it's funny, you know, we had to put a sign on the door that said by appointment only because we'd have people <laughs> come in and sort Don't of like come in. They would open the door and they would start to look around like it was a furniture showroom. And I was like, 
can we can we help you (laughs) (laughs) yeah like usually you sort of not you're not quite sure how polite or kind of firm you should be with people but um yes i I would often go uh hi can we can we help you yeah um very sheepishly but um we love it because we use the front space that looks out onto the street has a big kind of shop front window Mm. it's nice to engage you know and it's nice to hide away and there's the sort of workroom workspace at the back is where everyone sits that opens out to a courtyard. So you get we get light right through the building. Um, and then upstairs is where I hide. That's where, oh, I, sweet. where I hibernate. So if I don't want to meet someone or I don't want to see someone, I'm upstairs. That's, my so that's where you were when I came around that time. <laughs> Probably. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Well, let's let's go further back. Let's just let's talk about um, your childhood. Let's not we don't have to go sure. from, we don't have to go that far back. But, I'm actually uh, we, paying you an hour for this session. What's going on here? Yeah. This is, <laughs> uh, are you lying um, down? Are you comfortable? Were you, were you a creative kid growing up? I was not. No, okay. I wasn't. And and I've actually been thinking about this since um since I think our last very brief conversation. And I and I'm and I guess I I've, I've been thinking about why, why I wasn't. And I have this really vivid memory. I went to a little Catholic primary school before we moved over to America. Um, and I remember the first day of school, you know, you would get your school books before term started and you would wrap them in contact and brown paper and you yeah. put your name all over them and, you know, personalize them. Yeah. And I remember I, I, I must've opened one of the books and I colored it all in before school started. And the first day at school, I got, I got stood up in front of the class and like, I basically got, um, I was disciplined for, wow. for, for coloring in a coloring in book. For being creative. And I wonder whether maybe that suppressed me for a little while. Wow. I'm not sure. But 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 I will say that whilst I wasn't specific, or wasn't particularly creative in perhaps like the art sense or the artistic sense, I I remember being acutely aware of my physical surroundings, and I remember feeling I, I remember moving things around within my bedroom because you know as a kid that's really your own that's your domain yeah, that's yeah, your yeah. only space that you really have any control or agency over I guess and yeah. so. I remember feeling very excited at like rearranging things. So mm. I guess that was the beginning, maybe. That's of, cool. Of some sort of design career later on. Um, That's cool. It reminds me of Gia, my daughter. She's eighteen, and she's she's like that. She's always been um, rearranging things and telling me off for you know buying furniture she doesn't like, and you know she's like. It's 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 really cool when you see that in someone yeah. that that kind of pr- that pride and that kind of they kind of know you know you know where things might should be or how they should look. Yeah, or there's kind of an intuitive, maybe there's an intuitive sense. I mean, I my mother was really interested in interiors, and I think um, by default, by extension, I definitely picked that up later on when I was sort of more like eight, nine, ten, and in my teens. Yeah, and she would she would drag me around antique stores every weekend oh. and every weekend I would have to sit on a chair and not touch anything. Um, <laughs> but I think that also probably played into this idea of starting to have the curiosity or an interest in, um, you know, furniture and collectibles. Yeah. Did you grow up in Sydney? Um, I was born in Sydney and I grew up here until about seven years of age. So like mm-hmm. second year two. Mm-hmm. And then my father, who's an engineer, um, he was um, sent over to work in the States. Um, and so we, he took a contract over there and we had a choice between Las Vegas, Atlanta and Seattle. And we ended up in Seattle, thankfully. Good choice. 
Yeah. So he, um, he managed a company over there and we were there for seven, eight years. And my brother actually stayed and is still there and married and he's had kids and yeah, um, we yeah. we talked because yeah. I, I I was born in England. I grew up in in Canada and um, in Vancouver. Yeah, and there's a place called White Rock right on the border of near where you near near Seattle actually not that far. <clears throat> and um, it turns out we I used to go with my parents. We go camping in Chuckanut Drive, yeah, which is not so far from um, is it Bellingham. I was actually talking to my brother about this on the weekend, and <laughs> um, the Chuckanut Drive, one of the main campsites, is actually across the road from them. So amazing! A really, really, really fucking small world. <laughs> so he, does he camp there? Does he live? Does he live too close to go camping? <laughs> it's like you know what? He probably would pitch a tent, knowing my brother. Like, he and I are so opposite. We are so polar opposites when it comes to our surroundings. Like he wouldn't care whether he lived in a tin can Aww. or or like an extravagant, you know, beautiful interior. It, as long as he lived somewhere that was beautiful in terms of its natural surroundings, which actually I can completely relate to. Um, well, it's, it is the West Coast is spectacular, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've got it so is. many fond memories of living in there. So, yeah. so how long were you in Seattle for? Well, I was in Seattle with my parents for seven years, and then my um, my dad was um, he he was moved back here with work. So I ca- guess I came back around fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and had a very short-lived stint at a Catholic girls' high school, um, which shall remain nameless. Do they chuck you and out of then, that as well? And for then coloring got in or what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So, all girls school. All girls school, which clearly did not suit me. Um, mm-hmm. and I mean, then, that's, that's um, a big contrast to to Seattle, isn't it? I mean, it, it's oh, in public school where you would, yeah, yeah no uniform, no religion, no, no, yeah. none of it. Much none, of the guilt, way of being. none of the guilt to the shame. <laughs> 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 it's part of the territory of Catholic. Catholic school system. Uh, yeah, so came back here and went to um, first school. Didn't really work out for me. And then um, I, uh, I ended up moving to a school called Bradfield College, which I think is actually renamed now. Um, and it was sort of, it was a year 11 and 12 school only. So it was only those sort of last two years of high school. And it was sort of where all the delinquents went, truthfully. Um, <laughs> all the kids who got kicked out of private school for, you know, smoking dope or, you know, I had this habit of stealing my mother's car before I was licensed to drive oh um, and enjoy rides. So, you know, all the fun, all the joy. And so I went there and I did design technology and I initially, um, I applied to go to uni and um, study landscape architecture ah. at New South. And yeah. that was my intention. I think I really knew that I, it wasn't, necessarily what I wanted to do but I actually didn't think I could do interior design for a living Mm -hmm. I don't think I thought I could actually have a career in something that was by all accounts from the outside looked so fun and glamorous and also also, I guess I I think there was part of me that you know again I refer back to the Catholic upbringing but I feel like there was part of it that was like you have to do something that's noble and has kind of an element of altruism or or um, like a Samaritan a good Samaritan kind of quality to it. So I think I felt like landscape architecture was that because I would, you know, help save the world or planet or something Mm. through, you know, through an environmental channel. And um, it became pretty evident after six months of trying horticulture that I was not cut out for that Mm. sort of line of inquiry. I'm not, there's not a scientific bone in my body. so. So, So you did, was it a course you did for six months? 
No, it was the start of landscape architecture, which is a bachelor's degree in the faculty of the built oh, environment. Yeah, yeah. So, so you, d- you decided not to do that. Uh, yeah, I, I ended up shifting. So I, I'm, I am transferred to interior architecture. Fantastic. That was the move. That was that the was right the move. move. How did yeah. you know that was the right move, by the way? Because obviously, you know, some people go find the thing they love right away. Yeah. Or even like, the person they love right away or the place, you know, like others kind of, kind of try different things. Yeah, yeah, that's my brother. He's done like four degrees and it took him forever to decide. And then wow. he graduated from medicine like, and went, oh, I don't think I want to be a doctor, actually. And I'm like, what? what? How? Like, <laughs> you've just been pursuing <laughs> this thing for years. How does that even work? Uh, no, I really so knew. You, do you pick on him a lot? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and he'd be like, far out, sis. What's going on? Yeah, um, it's so embarrassing. He's so he's he's seven years older than me, and you know he's the oh, smart one. So okay. I think he was intuitive. I feel like I like I'm someone who once I make a decision, I'm like, yeah, cool. I don't I don't sort of second guess myself once I've made the decision, and I feel like it was kind of a gut instinct thing. Um, and I was completely out of my depth and had no fucking idea what I was doing, but it was still a bit probably because I really hadn't done a lot of art and whatnot. Um, throughout high school Mm -hmm. but it was um there was something really kind of magnetic about it really kind of thrilling about it so i stuck i stuck with it and um and and sort of simultaneously i i started working for a design firm basically straight out of high school as like an administrative assistant and that was a really well-known firm they were doing some really cool bars and clubs and restaurants and so that was a good foot in the door and um and stuck with them and then moved to jumped around to a bunch of different firms and yeah so how did that work how did you decide which type of place you wanted to work at uh trial and error yeah <laughs> is that how we all do it yeah <laughs> um it's so, important yeah. to do that though because you get a flavor you get like yeah, a, a, a not yeah. not no two places are the same exactly exactly so i started working for a company called sjb um at yep, the time awesome. it was um they had just only just recently, just prior to my, like, sort of starting as, as I said, I was an admin assistant. So it was like shit kicker, like mail run, you know, like sort the carpet samples in the library, like complete, mm. just super base level, like run around, do whatever that needs to be done. And they had just opened a Sydney office because they're, they're a Melbourne based firm or established in Melbourne. And so it was a combination of interiors and architecture. And I think they had one or two town planners in the team as well, but it was mm. a small firm. It was a really lovely bunch of people and they had a great space in a, like an old cannery um, warehouse in Surrey Hills. And is that Crown Street? It's just off Crown Street. Yeah, so yeah, yeah it's on Richards, Richards Avenue. Um, yes. I can still remember the phone number because I used to have to like <laughs> so many people uh, uh, uh. and I would answer the phone with my secretary voice on um what you'd and, say the phone number well like I'd give it out or you know like oh, call right, that right, right. so <laughs> um so bizarre the things you remember the I things know, that are like funny. kind of etched into your mental retina it's just I bizarre. used to remember every single phone number like I, I, oh, really? you know like just incredible I can't remember anything now I was just saying the other day oh. if my if I lost my phone and I was somewhere that I didn't know couldn't get in touch with anybody I'd be screwed yeah, 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 yeah. I feel the same way, but only because I feel like when I gave birth to my son, he took all of my memory with him. <laughs> I got no recall for anything long, short, or medium term. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Can't explain that one. Well, you're, you're remembering a- quite a bit so far from the past, <laughs> which is good news. Well, fingers crossed it's totally accurate. <laughs> and you've probably done loads of podcasts. You just don't remember them. 
Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, and you also worked at Bait Smart too, right? Yeah, I did. So I worked at um, SJB for about five years, mm -hmm. all through um, uni, and then um, end of uni, I, I jumped to Bait. So they did quite. They were different firms, different. Both Melbourne sort of established firms. Mm -hmm. um, SJB much smaller um, at the time, and um, more hospo and and kind of. I don't know, like edgy, kind of a little bit more like progressive, um, more interesting, I guess, design-wise. And then Bates really established, bigger firm. I think at the time they had 60-odd people in the Sydney office, smaller interiors team from primarily architects. Mm -hmm. um, but it was a really great place to learn processes and the importance of process and the mm -hmm. importance of doing things in a certain order, et cetera. Um, and I somehow managed to get away with murder, Um in the office i don't know how like i would rock up and it'd be 10 like 10 a.m and like you know just i'd somehow managed to get away with arriving at 10 and leaving at five like i don't know how that happened but it did and they you know oh, no one uh, me, so you're a bit of a rebel was, i think maybe maybe don't tell anyone well, that's, though. that's cool um yeah. uh, where out what did you do after bait smart where'd you go uh after baits went to landini mm -hmm. oh mark, then, mark landini Frank Landini and um, worked primarily on retail mm -hmm. uh, projects. And then after Landini, I went to Collins of Anjou, which is a small husband and wife team yeah, um, who were in down in um, Potts Point. And yeah. then after that, went to and worked on hospitality. So did like a W hotel over in Dubai. Cool. Um, and then after that, I think I went to Sarah Davison first, which is where I first did single dwelling resi. And mm. um fell in love with single dwelling resi. So and that's then, interesting. You hadn't done any in, in like homes yeah, before? Not, not private homes. No, I had just worked on, you know, like apartment, multi-res kind of apartment schemes and things like that. Yeah. And I guess retail would be quite a contrast to that. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So you... I just, like, I, I mean, I remember it was summer when I started that job and I, or spring. And I remember the first project the per, the first site I think I stepped into was up in Pacific Street in um, Pacific Road, sorry, in Palm Beach. This amazing house that was sort of like it had two hundred seventy degree views of kind of pit water and the and I was like, why would you do anything else? <laughs> like, More of this, please. Um, wow. And Sarah was the first person I ever worked for who would take clients shopping overseas and would import vintage new like she just yeah she, she has a really beautiful sensibility really beautiful aesthetic um and so that's definitely where i fell in love with 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 resi and how long were you working with her uh about a year and a half i think um but you and know you just as thought, screw like, this i'm gonna do this myself what was that sorry do you say forget it, i'm gonna do it myself now or what well no as is often the case i think people who start their own businesses are usually you do it because you're not great at working for other people. So I'm going to take that one as a, I wasn't great for working for her. Like I wasn't great at working for her at that time. She fired you. No, 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 no. I, <laughs> okay. I left, but, but yeah. yeah, I think I was a bit, I was bullshy. I thought I knew everything. I knew nothing at the time. I was young and, you know, yeah. I was 27 and I like, I had all this attitude and <laughs> I can look back and I'm like, Oh man, did I really say that? Yeah, I did. Okay. So so I left there and I actually went to go work for um, a guy called Paul Kelly, who was doing clubs and hotels and um, bars. And then the GFC hit and um, 
I think like the team went from like 11 down to three and then I was the last wow. person to go after that. So yeah, it and was then, like, and then what? It was now or never. Really? Yeah. So, 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 now. so what, yeah, but what was that? Why did you think I'm not going to go work for someone else again? I'm going to do my own thing. Well, I just didn't think there was an option. I think that there was no work around. Did you have so, any projects to work on? Uh, I did. I had, interestingly, after I'd started working with Sarah, I, I did some private jobs for, um, with a friend who was an associate Luigi Rosselli's and he kind of asked if I could help out with a job that they were doing in Bobby Hill. And, um, so I jumped at that and I did sort of the decorative for that, the decorative package. And that snowballed into one of another thing and another thing and another thing. And before you know it, we're at like, I think we're, I think this is the, we're doing the 13th project with, um, them at the moment wow. so yeah lucky 13. Lucky and, 13. and did you already always thought about starting your own business that you do it one day i think so i don't explicitly remember sitting down and going i'm gonna do this i just think that i was never cut out to work for other people yeah you need to meet gia yeah, right. <laughs> you could be her role model <laughs> yeah i think i think she's you're Send very much aligned there yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, and you know, it's funny because I I don't have this kind of ambition to have an empire or um, have a really big company or, you know, like change the world. But I genuinely think that the journey of starting a business and then kind of growing it organically and, you know, expanding, contracting as needed, I genuinely think it's actually been more about, funnily enough, I think it's been more about me getting to know myself than it has been about yeah. pursuing this kind of dream of creating an empire. That's really cool. Let's talk about yeah. more about that. Cause I mean, people from the outside always think, Oh my God, look at that business you've got and the brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. And you're, think, and you're probably sitting there going, oh God, Jesus, how do we do this? You know I mean? Yeah. It's, 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 it's hard. Business is hard. 100%, 100%. Business is tricky. And I think, I think people are motivated by completely different things. Everyone's really different, um, yeah. which is wonderful. I think that for me, um, I didn't, I don't know what I don't know until I know it, yeah. <laughs> obviously. Yeah. That might seem really obvious to everyone, but I might just be a bit slow. I'm not sure. But, <laughs> but I will say that having a small business forces you to, well, you can, you can avoid it, but I can't. Um, having a small business really forces you to look at yourself and your own shit, mm. excuse me, which, and go, well, why am I doing, why, why do I believe that? Why do I have that? Whether it's a limiting belief, whether it's, like an emotion that you're directing at someone, whether it's frustration about something, anger about something, excitement about something, it's all, it all boils back down to your worldview and mm -hmm. how you see the world around you. And I think because we work with one-on-one, -on -one, like we don't work with a cast of thousands. We don't work with a committee like you would if you were doing a big casino job or, you know, that's designed by committee. You, you send yeah. a proposal over the ether and like 17 people comment on it. And then like, you know, you have to tweak and then back again. And the challenge there is, you know, you can't hide. So if someone's frustrating you or you're frustrating someone or something's going on, something comes up for you, you kind of have to, you either deal with it or you, you stay stuck. And, um, and I think being a, you know, being a boss and a very un like a very reluctant leader, but yeah. realizing that leadership's really important, I think, um, has started, has really forced me to kind of grow, I guess, as a person. So I'm not bullshit anymore. Like, I think I'm, I think I'm quietly confident 
Um, and I know what I want and what I don't want, but I, you know, like, like all of us, we all fuck stuff up all the time and we all get it wrong all the time. And I think, I think what I'm more comfortable with, I turned 40 on Tuesday and I'm really getting more comfortable with owning up to not knowing because yeah. who knows anything anyway? Like, God, you're still young. You've done so much in a, such a short period of time. Well, it helped not knowing what was involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Being really naive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I highly recommend being really, really naive before you dive head or, head first into like a major undertaking. I think people often. I, I, I say that too. I said that I if I knew what I knew about business now, I would never have started. Never. Uh, there is a that is yeah. a wonderful kind of naivety and and kind of optimism uh, when you when you when you first start and. Um, I mean, and obviously, maybe, a lot of people don't succeed. I mean, apparently, like eighty percent of people fail in in um, within three years. Yeah, um, yeah. and You've you can see why. Everything's yeah, everything's really, against you, right? Totally. Well, as a small business, yes, I think. Um, and I mean, I say that from the perspective of someone who lives in it. We're in a really privileged world. Like we're in a really privileged situation in this country. Yeah, and, we are. You know, that is not the case for millions and billions of people across the world. So, like, yeah, we it, it's tough even with all of the kind of leg up or advantages that we do have you know mm. um i it's funny i think that that's the same concept this the concept of diving into something without knowing what you're fully getting yourself into is exactly the same as you know and then and then going through that experience baptism of fire whatever you want to call it and going oh god i wouldn't have done it if i'd known it's a bit the same as you know you start out as a really creative kind of curious kid and you get conditioned to think don't do that. Don't do that. Too risky, too scary, too da, 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 da. And before you know it, you've gone from out here to like in here and this yeah, is yeah. your worldview. So it's, there's a lot of parallels, I think with, um, I don't know, with, with, with creativity and curiosity. I think there's also, yeah, there's another other parallels too around, um, <clears throat> projects themselves because projects kind of come out of the blue. You meet someone or someone gives you a shout and you go, Oh, Oh, I never thought of that project before or that person. Yeah. And they give you an opportunity and there's often a timeline and price and all that kind of stuff that goes with it. And you go, wow, I didn't know that existed yesterday. Now it's here. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be done in six months time or three months time or whatever it might be. Yeah. And it's kind of cool thinking about, it used to terrify me because it'd be like, it felt like, what all if I don't children. make it to that end? What if, you know, because this thing, there's yeah. a lot going against you. Yeah. Or your own, your own kind of critic internally too, just kind of like, um, kind of can be a bit paralyzing if you're not confident. And even even when you're confident, I still have it today. I, after years and years, you know, almost 30 years of designing, there's times that I feel, oh my God, is this, is this good enough? What am I doing? Yeah, is this, yeah, 100%. could someone else do it better? Um, but it's really cool when you break through that. And it's a bit like when you're running a business, you kind of break through that that self-doubt or the, the kind of, I guess, the disruption that can happen to you during the yeah. course of time of, of running a business. Hiring your first person can be a disaster. Or it can be yeah. a success. It's like a whole bunch yeah. of different things. Learning how to delegate, learning how to actually utilize that person, you know, learning, learning, how, to brief, learning yeah. how to communicate, learning, yeah, yeah, yeah. All learning of how to pitch, how to sell, how to bring a client on the journey, how to get a, yeah. anyway, how, it's so kind of exciting. Creativity. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, you must find that you find, are you, are you still working in that way? Are you still very hands on on the projects? Yes. Yeah. So there's 11 in the team and I don't have any, I don't have any ambition to, to get too much larger, I think we'd probably cap out at sort of fourteen yeah. at most. Yeah. And I think that's for the for the express and 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 kind of very um, key reason that I want to be involved in all the projects. 
I mean, I was setting out like a client's walk-in row mirror two hours ago, like on site in person. And I, I, you know, I don't want to be in a position where I don't know what's happening. I, I mean, I don't necessarily need to know what hinges are on every door, but I need to know what's happening yeah. on the project to feel, to be able to deliver something with confidence and to, and, and, and care and consideration. I think you need to be drilled in. I think you need to know, you need to kind of be across it. It's, you know, that whole like fucking kind of overused word balance, overused right. phrase. Um, I think that there's so many parts to that piece, but I think that it is a constant refinement. It's constantly recalibrating. How much am I involved? How much am I not? What am I getting right? What am I not? Like, mm. what what can we do better? What is good? What Like, what's good for us? What do we not need to change? Um so we're pretty we're pretty inquisitive in in the sense of in the sense that we are constantly looking at what we're doing and how we're doing it and trying to finesse and refine and improve it because first of all all of our projects we want them to look different we want them to feel different we want them to be different aesthetically kind of um from a from a, a um, experiential perspective from a um from a kind of a design up perspective in order to do that, you're trying something new every single time. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, you have to be able to sort of take the lessons and fold them back in and learn and then grow. Mm-hmm. And growing's uncomfortable all the time. Yeah. Like that's why growing pains are a thing, right? The clients come to you obviously seen something else you've done and want something similar or do they say hey we just want you to do whatever you want to do? I'm I haven't yet had the do whatever you want to do, but it's something i'm manifesting <laughs> <laughs> it can be intimidating I, that though yeah, just going you, yeah, know, you know yeah true i mean like what a what what a total trip huh um look we are getting i've noticed in the last say three to five years clients have gone from being fairly prescriptive about what they want us to do mm-hmm. to being much more you tell us what you think you tell us what you would do you know and much more open to being pushed um and i think that our portfolio probably reflects that. I think our portfolio has been fairly conservative to date and what we're doing right now is nothing what we've been doing, what what we've been published or photographed. Um, So on one hand, it's nice for someone to come to you because they've seen something that they like that you've done, but I'd rather them come to me and say, I like the quality of, or the feeling of it, not necessarily do I want that thing, that exact thing. Mm. I I just like the feeling that it had. Um, That's kind of what, what I dig. I'm, I'm it seems that. to be like a, I don't know if it's because of COVID or, I mean, our house prices have gone up like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's kind of a combination of people super interested in their homes and investing mm-hmm. far more in the homes than ever before, I think. <clears throat> and so you see far more. I mean, I, I, I look around and I see so much incredible creativity happening. Mm. Um, you know, there is, it's good to see that variety. There was a time when it felt, felt very similar or the same. Yeah, you know? carbon copy. Have you, yeah. have you felt that too? Absolutely. I think when I first started working in interiors, residential was all fairly vanilla, let's say, in in Australia. Mm-hmm. I can't speak for overseas. Um, and I think as we've become more connected globally ourselves, um, I really feel like we, we've kind of, it's a bit like coffee and the Olympics. And what I mean by that is, Crikey. like we're a tiny little nation of 25 odd million people but man, we have the best fucking coffee. And like, have yeah. you seen our tally in the Olympics for the medals? Considering that we're up against countries of billions of people, yeah. hundreds of millions of people, we're right up there. So like, I feel, I feel like it's 
it's a bit like we have the goods, we have the nows, we have the talent, we have the the ability and the capacity. Um, and I feel as though design and design wise, aesthetically, we're pushing ourselves much, much more than we did say five and ten years ago, for sure. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of people in the community, like our community, design community, that would totally lead, you know, internationally. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a good. I mean, we're in terrible COVID lockdown time. Um, yeah. So it's not great in that regard, but there are, and 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 you know, I, I say this every time I, I'm on the podcast. I thought my sympathy goes out to the people who are seriously struggling. There's, there's a lot of businesses going mm. under, people not having any work, etc. Um, it's a really bad time. Um, yeah. But it's it's some some industries like yours and, and like mine are actually still uh, very strong because people are um, are just getting I guess just getting on with those projects. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. So it, it's um, I often kind of talk about our work like we get paid to play. It's kind of probably similar to you. You probably get enjoy the opportunity of decorating somebody's home. Sometimes there are frustrations, but I would have to say that on the whole, you know, you it's it's a real joy to be able to sort of pull something together create something that that hopefully will endure for 10 20 30 years for for someone in their family or for a family that's absolutely the goal um so yeah we have a lot of fun and like it helps that the team's just magic like the the guys i've got here at yeah, I'm very, very, very lucky. Emotionally intelligent, hilarious, fun, spunky, like they're good eggs. So Yeah. No, a team's everything. I mean, I, I we've got a team, I think forty something now, forty five, I think. Um, and it's just incredible. Just that I just love it. I personally love the fact that we've created an organization and a place for other people to thrive. And 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 it's wonderful to see uh, the variety of projects, the variety of inputs, the kind of the difference it makes when you have a co collaborate on things. I know, I know, you just said before about design by committee, but I don't think it's. Uh, we certainly well, don't. We don't approach it that way. But I can understand what you yeah. mean. But I, I more mean design by committee, as in you get told by a bunch of penny pinches what is or isn't good in design. That's very different to collaborating because that's a totally different energy, right? Like mm. collaborating, like you're talking about, is. You yeah, know, within yeah. the team, that's 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 alchemy. That's magic, right there. Yeah, it really is. You've got a brilliant eye and incredible palette, um, and I just love mm -hmm. uh, seeing your work. And um, over the years, I had a chat with Aunt Donovan, who's one of my business partners, and he's uh, our group creative director. And we're talking about originality, and we're talking about how today. I mean, I'm old enough, kind of, to, and I was around before computers even. Uh, let alone the internet. Um, so it was a time when I used to look at magazines and books and there would be a lot less of them than there are today. Yeah. And, and you look, you fast track that to today and you go, how can you be, how can one be original? How, well, how do you even know if you're being original? Because the world is like live in your phone, everything oh, coming at you. Just like, it's just like, I, I find it partly, it's like when I used to look at the interior design magazines, well, I still do, I love them. I look at them and I feel depressed because I go, oh my God, I would love to have a place. Oh, I just, I, oh that couch, damn it, I brought the other couch. It doesn't quite, not quite the same. That's, 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 that's my issues, I know. I got issues in terms of that kind of constantly thinking it could be better. But in terms of like design and design influence and, and what's going on around us, just like just this bombardment of, I mean, I, mean some, I feel it bombardment. 
other people I mean, would be inspired I mean, by it. You know, they're excited by it. I mean, I don't want to. How, how do you navigate that? Does that influence you in a, in, a, in a positive way? Do you find that helpful? Do you find that, that that's a positive Yeah, that's a good question. It's, it's, it's a double-edged sword. I think it's really, really useful that you have so many references and so much inspiration at your fingertips, but it's very difficult to avoid pastiche or copy mm. and paste. And I mean, we kind of have this real love-hate relationship with Pinterest. It's helpful from an organizational <laughs> perspective to share a board with someone, mm-hmm. but it, it can't replace coming up with a unique set of ideas or a unique yeah. concept. Yeah. It just can't. Like, it's just a, it's a storage facility. It's not, it's not creativity. It's a storage facility. It's like a Dropbox. And, yeah. And Instagram's a bit the same. Like, it is a fantastic place to collate things that inspire you, but it is not a place of creating. Um, so I think it's, you know, I, I complete pivot, but when I first had my son, I found being on my phone or near my phone really overwhelming. I, I was back at work in five weeks. Um, I had no one, like not enough seniors. I was, you know, like we had th- like four babies, five babies in the office across 12 months. Like it was, wow. it was brutal. So I had to come back to work earlier than I wanted to. And um, brutal. Thought, that's not very nice. <laughs> well, it was brutal <laughs> in the sense that like I had to come back earlier, not, not Bloody brutal. Kids. They were having babies. It was like, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Get out of that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but the coming back to work and being the, the comeback to work was one thing, but the being expected to be on, 24 7 that's mm. another yeah and, and that's draining and i think it's you know i think it'll become more and more a, a more and more pertinent topic as our kids get older and and they have kids the idea that there's all this information coming you constantly that you don't really have time to process it and then and then you've got to be here and you've got to be there and you're going to be available and you're going to be contactable and you're going to be there. like that is it that that's that's a cluster beep if, if there was ever anything in my mind. Because, like, I feel like if you don't have space and you don't have time, if you don't have solitude, how do you create anything? Nothing yeah. can grow. Yeah, yeah. So I certainly feel like I went through a phase where I felt like I had to be everywhere and everything to every person and their dog. And I then realized probably only in the last year, I actually don't need to do that. And I can't. And That it's explains not it. It's been, we've been trying to hound you for a year to get on this podcast. <laughs> probably it sorry <laughs> um, she doesn't have a phone she hasn't got yeah. an address can't get a hold of her just um. send carrier pigeon um, <laughs> yeah so so i think i think you know i watch kind of the younger team members that we have like you know the guys who are in their sort of like 20 mid-20s late 20s like it's hard to switch off and it's hard not to be constantly tethered and mm. um and it can be useful but i think you have to really set boundaries around around it so that's um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, I found talking to a few of my guys, a, a few people have kind of asked for advice um, during this COVID time because the second time, the second lockdown. I mean, Melbourne's had loads of them. We've we've had the second one is like almost three months now, and and um, you know some people are really struggling with that, being at home, working, and then kind of just because everything's in the computer, like your TV, your social emails, everything's in that or your phone, and so it's like it's. I guess the technology in a way is contributing to the efficiency of how we live, but also the confusion of, of, of that, you know? 
I think it contributes, you know, it's a, it has a it has a tremendously positive impact in the sense that a lot of my team would not be able to work had we not had this no. technology. Yeah. Um, and we would not be able to deliver for clients did this not this technology not exist right now within within a pandemic. At the same time, it has to be really carefully kind of managed. And it's like so it's like anything, you know, like you know, drink wine every night. Great, like power to you, but it could this is a tipping point, right? So mm. I think um, I think the guys that we have who are extroverts and who are like they get their energy from other people that yeah. are in the team, you know, we check in with them way more, and we've done a couple of walking catch ups cool. like around Centennial Park or yeah. um, 5K LGA. Um, but <laughs> but then, but then there are others like myself. I really enjoy lockdown because solitude. It's my it's my bag. Like I I'm an introvert through and through. So bull. No, you're actually, you're an introvert. You should really read a book called by Susan Cain called Quiet because it really oh, blows, it completely blows to smithereens the idea that like introverts have to be quiet. I'm a dominant introvert, so I'm I'm like I'm bossy, but mm. I just I don't I don't really like people that much. <laughs> I'm joking. I, do I like won't people. I won't take that uh, personally. No. But <laughs> no, I, I I need to be away from people to 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 gather my energy whereas my husband is a is a textbook extrovert like he gets his energy from other people so we're very different uh, in so let's just let's just talk about that because i think that that's really interesting because I, I i'm similar um that i need i thought there was like a fault in me that i needed quiet space and, and, and get away I from people too. you know i'd like um, no it's how we're built Vince. it's how we're built so, <laughs> it's, so, um, so how did you how did you learn to deal with that have, well, you, have you always been good at that? No, 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 no. Like anything, trial and error. Um, I um, I remember my, my husband and I had just started dating and he, we, we were planning a weekend, like what we're we going to do this weekend. He's like, so we should do this and then we go here and then we go do this and then we should do that. And I was just like, I was, I was like, I was mentally like closing shop. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, that sounds exhausting. Um, Mount Everest he, can wait. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like really jazzed about, you know, going on this boat with some friends and then go over here and then have a party and then the barbecue. And then just, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, that just sounds like my worst fucking nightmare. <laughs> and, and, and interestingly, it took us a while to go, whoa, wait a minute. Actually, you really get your energy this way. And yeah. I actually get my energy by doing the complete opposite. Yeah. Um, so it took us a while to work that out. And I think, doing a little reading on it helped. Um, but I was like you, I thought it was a defect. I thought it was a negative yeah. and I don't see it that way anymore. Yeah. So is he out partying every night where you're at home knitting or something? <laughs> Interestingly, this is the weird part. Plot thickens. He's, he's asleep <laughs> like 8.45 PM. So this is weird. And I'm a night owl. So he's, he's up at five and I'm like, I sleep in and, and I'm up till late hours. So oh, it, it's weird. Our circadian rhythms are completely opposite and our like our energy source is completely opposite. No, he's just he just gets his energy from people. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I know a lot of yeah, people like that. Funny. It's really cool. Yeah. I mean I, I for a long time I was very envious of people that were like that, you know? Totally, because I would go to a party and I like the idea of small talk. Yeah. Oh my god, stick pins and needles in my eyes. Like really. Yeah, yeah. But Quietly sneak talk. away, and no one knows that you weren't. Yeah, yeah. Back out slowly. No one will notice. And whereas Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy will be like, he like honestly, he, we get into a taxi. We're overseas. No matter where we are, we get into a taxi to go somewhere and Uber or whatever. He'll like start a chat, and I'm like, I'm just gonna like recede into my chair, and he's <laughs> chatting away. So how was your day, mate? Da, 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 da. 
just like, Jesus, man, <laughs> can you, you just not talk to people? No, yeah. you can't. It's just how it's, he's it's, built. It's good though. It's a good way of. It is kind of cool to connect with people that way, and kind of. It's amazing how. how, learn how a lot. Yeah, I mean, learn a lot. And you connect with people. You, you kind of weird situations where you you know someone who knows somebody. Six degrees of separation or whatever. Yeah, totally. um, it's really cool. So let's let's talk then about how you then work with somebody on their home because, hmm. you know, like like you two, you're a couple. You're very different in that regard. So you'd like quiet. He he likes to, to be more. Uh, busy. I mean, how far do you get under the skin of the people whose home it is and, and to work with on design? Not necessarily what you want it to be, but what would work for them? Yeah, good question. We, um, thank you. We, <laughs> but I'll be in bed. Uh, at home. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> we, we're fairly involved with our briefing process. We do, um, we do a really, really kind of detailed briefing exercise when we first meet people. We probably meet with potential clients three or four times before we actually take a project on. Mm. Um, you know, I always have a little chuckle to myself when someone emails like the email, like just emails the studio, email, like the, the generic studio, like hello email address and says can you give me pricing and i'm like for for, for what <laughs> like yeah I, if we're going $5. to embark on, yeah totally if we're going to embark on a project with a client where we deliver everything for them from start to finish a that project's going to take some time so it's going to be a long-term exercise which mm. means it's a long-term relationship yeah um and that means that we need to be able to communicate and the dynamic needs to be right. We need to feel like we're all on the same page, or at least we can get on the same page if no one knows what that page is right now. Yeah. Um, we so so we do a lot of talking. We talk a lot mm. um, up front, and then we do once we're engaged, we do a really thorough briefing, um, right down to like allergies, mm. pets names, you know, like all of that. Um, so we give them quite an extensive kind of um, questionnaire. Yeah. And then we kind of do a little return brief when we do our first concept presentation. Um, in terms of how we work with clients, so I guess the, our, like the way I see our role is we're a little bit therapist, a little bit kind of architect and a little bit creative. Like it's kind of you're melding, you're mixing right and left brain because yeah. you've got the practical realities of things like structure and materials and building programs and you know approvals processes and qs reports and all that fun stuff mm -hmm. and budgets and then you've got this but i wanted to feel this way sort of and what works with what aesthetically and what what excites you so the briefing is really important because that's when you sort of like take an x-ray machine and kind of try and look inside and go what is it that they're aiming for what is it mm -hmm. that because it's not always like believe it or not i mean everyone wants a great outcome but i've learned over the years that not everyone puts the same currency into the outcome. Yeah. A lot of people come and they want to have a really fun time. A lot of people want, um, want something that they can be really proud of and show their friends and family that they've done. Mm -hmm. Um, because maybe they're searching for something to sort of, to, to, to be their own. Um, maybe it's a change of life, like from, family home to sort of, you know, they're downsizing and their kids have all of that. Like there are so many reasons that people, so many sort of motivations, I guess, or objectives that people can place into what on the outside looks like, oh, it's a renovation or a new build or, um, you know, a redesign. And Oh, you've got some new chairs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. And it's actually so much, so much is, of it is actually about connection and being heard. Like mm. it sounds really hippy dippy, but it's true. Like people often just really want to be heard. Yeah. 
they really want to be understood <laughs> um, and they want to connect. They want to feel connected with their people, their family, their community, like other people that work with. They want to have a bit of fun doing it usually. Yeah, that's cool. And is is, is there like a, are a lot of your clients like first time commissioners of interiors or are they serial commissioners because obviously there's a big difference once someone's yeah, done it a couple times 50. we've got we've got a mix of clients who are younger who are doing their first kind of family home um and then we've got we've had quite a few clients who are older and who've, whose family you know are grown and have left the house and mm. they're downsizing or they're building a holiday home or so we have a bit of a mix i think our eldest clients probably be in their 70s and our youngest would be in their 30s wow cool so really big mix um, and, and but I think I think all of them are families, and so the benefit we have is we can think like we think from the perspective. I mean, almost everyone in the office. Well, sorry, half more than half of the the team are mums, um, and so we all think from the perspective of how will this work for a family. Mm. So yeah. So is it like twenty babies there now? I mean, how many? I honestly thought that building was fresh at one point. It truly did. Um, but it's actually when we talk about um, commissioning design or commissioning interiors, it is for, for some people the first time you commission design. And I, I've experienced that with clients over the years. Like that, sometimes naturally you've never done it before. You don't know what it's no, like. It can be intimidating, no. right? Oh, totally. And I think that um, I think that often, often in the with the first timers, you know, and I'm guilty of this myself because we're we're embarking um, on like a renovation rebranding exercise at the moment. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to be like those first timers that we have where I'm going to start and say, oh, I'm not sure about that idea that you presented to me. I like it, but I'm not sure. Let's go over here. I'm going to come all the way back to exactly where you started. Yeah, yeah. I do that you presented like that often happens. We often, we often sort of present something and they, you know, yeah. will deviate and only to come right back to that first idea. Um, with the people who haven't done it before because you sort of feel like you need to explore and know what's out there before you commit, I think. I guess often people um, have done some research too. They kind of looked at a few people and go, you know, actually, I want to Yeah, I want a lot of our clients come from um, referrals. Yeah. So that helps. I mean, there's yeah. times when you're working on something, you go, Damn, hang on a minute, maybe I, sh I should have gone with the other guy or the other girl. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever get that? about halfway people go oh hang on that's not I'm what sure we thought felt, i'm sure they felt that way yeah <laughs> haven't experienced that all right let's I'm not jinx sure. things knock on wood i'm sure they felt that way when they get the bill um yeah look, <laughs> I, I think um i think we just try and make it real so like you know it's a bit like life is a bit messy right nothing's ever perfect no. you know but, but you can aspire for that. You can aspire to perfection, but just be real about it. Like, have a laugh. That's the that's how we want clients to feel like they can relax. Do you find like sometimes clients take you to another level? Like that that, that there's something. I mean, I, I I personally love that, and I love working with a client. Teams love working with a client because we actually look at at the client or the opportunity as as a unique opportunity. Because no mm. two, no two projects. Someone you know someone might say, hey. Can you rebrand our um, interior design company? We might have done a few of those before. It, you know, you could just say, "Oh, yeah, that's it's yeah, same thing, it's same process, thing. Yeah. and you know, yeah. similar thing." Um, do you find that the clients that you work with inspire you to a unique outcome, or at times do that? I think we are trying to inspire them to a more unique outcome, but I will say 
So I think it's the opposite. But I will say that what the clients do do is they inspire us to a unique set of processes. And I hope this doesn't sound too kind of left of center. I had a client who we did, we finished the house a couple of years ago. Um, and I have never met someone I will respect more than this person. Um, and it's all about the manner and the energy he brought to the project, you know, about the trust and the faith and not just blind trust or blind faith, but it was the way he, he, he communicated and navigated everyone in the, and, and like, engage with everyone in the team that I looked at him and I was like, Jesus, that like, he's like the Mr. Miyagi of like mm. <laughs> of communication. So he pushed me to communicate better and to grow on that side. And I pushed them to get out of their comfort zones a little bit on the design side. So That's I, I think that every single project, as you say, is a unique, it's a unique set of possibilities. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I guess if I was to put my hand on my heart and say, has every one of them been a, like a magical aesthetic outcome or design outcome? Probably not. But have they all taught me something incredibly value, invaluable? 100,000%. Mm. Well, that's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. 100,000%. 100,000%. Like, how many zeros is that? Do we, <laughs> can we even count well, that? Well, it's, it's, hang on. it's five, isn't it? Hang on. Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. That sounds good. Maybe, yeah. maybe the two of us aren't so hot at mass. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's cool. So, but the, in terms of the, the clients feeling that they just feel it's magical, like what, what do they feel like when you finish the place? Oh, I've had clients cry. Like, I love that. Oh. Like, with joy, not pain, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> let's just be clear. Yeah. Just make sure correct yeah. and on the record. Yeah. Um, yeah like how how do they how do they feel at the end of the project is yeah that the question yeah oh i mean it's their home isn't it so um you know there's, there's a lot goes so much goes into i mean there could be architecture <laughs> process yeah. then the interior then the choosing it the endless meetings endless invoices from you guys no yeah and and yeah. then and then kind of it becomes a reality and then you're in there you know wow never work with animals or children yeah, I, think. I, I think that's what they said vince and yeah. look what you're doing you're working with your son and with your dog yes exactly so, we're kind yeah. of like so you're breaking all the rules <laughs> <laughs> all right all right Ralph, go away okay um yeah in terms oh god what was i gonna say well we were t you were asking about how clients kind of you know it's their home and and i think where you were going yeah that uh, was that you know, how do you design something that's so inherently personal? Because yeah. like I often say to clients, like I'm not going to live in this house 24 seven. So the decision is hundred percent yours. I'm going to put forward the idea that I think is the best for you guys, based on what you've told me and based on the constraints we have and are aware of, but ultimately your decision, because you've got to wake up here every day and love it. And mm. you got to open that cupboard over there every single day, probably 45 times in that day. Yeah. And if it doesn't feel right, it doesn't function right. Like you're going to, you, you're going to, curse me under your breath and I can't have that. So I think we, we work on the basis that we try, we try really hard to tease out of someone, their personality, like, like enough of their personality to imbue into a house. And mm -hmm. I know that kind of sounds a bit strange, but yeah. we don't ever want them to like this. There's, there's firms that do exceptional work where you go and you know exactly what you're going to get before you engage them. Mm -hmm. Like you just do. Yeah. And Again, I totally take my hat off to them as business owners because they have nailed that model and like 
they're probably going to be much wealthier than I ever will be. But, um, but I would say that I'd sit on the other side of the fence, which is I've done my job really well. If I have created a space that reflects their personalities and meets their needs. And I know that sounds really hippie, like kind of mm. not hippie, but like sounds a bit cheese ball, but it's true. Like a house is a house. It's bricks and mortars and it's it, bricks and mortar. Excuse me. It's not, we're not going to create the experiences that they're going to have or the feelings they're going to have, but we can give them the platform to do so. So hmm. that's kind of the idea. Yeah. So obviously everyone's dream is to be in a situation, have a life where you feel fantastic. You're happy. Your well being's kind of in a good place, etc. Yeah. I, mean, I, I guess you must help design that for them, design that kind of best environment for them. Yeah, I think I think um, I think your environment has a an overwhelming impact on your psychology. I think it has an overwhelming impact on how you feel every day. I mean, I, for me, it certainly does. I could not live in in a concrete cell with a mattress and you know stainless steel toilet, and so it's a good thing I'm not incarcerated. But yeah. Um, but, but so we like we we're, we're we're um designing our house at the moment or our renovation and we bought the place we live in um and it is like I've been living like a uni student for the last two years while we've been doing the design and launched the DA and you know wait 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 and mm-hmm. coordinate and all that sort of stuff and I'd have to say that the the draw card was the the feeling of the environment around it and the light and the trees and the sky and how much of the sky we saw and all of that. And so I guess what I'm saying is that whatever interior I design or whatever the architecture looks like, it will only, the intention is really only to elevate that and to increase the natural kind of environment, the beauty of it. It's probably why you've bought where you are right now, because there's something really magical about it. So um, yeah, you want something to feel a certain way and, and that will have a direct impact on your mental, you know, your mental kind of state, I think. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, it's not the only thing that has an impact on your mental state, but I think it's an incredibly big part of it, yeah. you know. And do you do, you don't do the architecture side, do you, or do you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, so when we started, I mean, when I started, I just did decoration. And then I did, then gradually we got projects that were interior design and then gradually interior architecture. I did interior architecture. Most of the team have done interior architecture. Um, and we have, um, we have a nominated registered architect in-house. So okay. we do, like, several of our projects at the moment are, are architectural in nature as well as interiors. The, the dream okay. for us is to do everything from the outside in. Yeah. Um, but we also love collaborating with other architects that are external and and are um you know because they'll come with completely different perspectives and ideas to what we will and i think i've always thought that really beautiful interiors can only elevate great architecture and vice versa i don't think they should compete i think that they should you know be harmonious do you ever anyone come come to you with a project and you you look at the the building or the place and just go there's nothing you do with this to make it great. <laughs> does, you ever, does that ever happen? Or do you yeah. see potential in, in, in everything? There's probably only one project where I thought, oh, God, this is not salvageable. Um, and did you still do it? We did. But I probably didn't realize how unsalvageable it was until about three quarters of the way through it. Yeah. And by that point, it was too far down the line to, to pull the ejection cord. So we just did it. Oh, funny. 
Yeah. But yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I think, I think, I think the worst, the, the conditional state of the site or the project kind of the more possibility, right? Yeah. You can only make it better. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously a lot of your clients are, you know, pr- pretty well off, I would say, aren't they? I mean, it's not a, it, it's, in terms of living in Sydney, uh, for example, has become one of the most expensive cities in the world. Yeah, and 100%. the cost of living is, is extortionate. And how how might people kind of take um, like you know more affordable housing or in their any in the home they're in now? How might they uh, improve their home? Uh, you know, a bit of advice around that. I mean, not commission you to do it, but just in terms of you know what are I, kind of some key principles that maybe you should you could apply to your home that you're living in right now to make it a better place. I think. Um, I think light lighting natural light if 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 in the absence of really great natural light i think good quality lighting is key um and 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 specifically the temperature of it so what i mean by that is you know you don't specify like a 3500 kelvin fitting which is like you know like a white light that you get in a refrigeration unit you you know you go for that kind of 2700 like incandescent like nice warm lighting I think is probably the most crucial part and then yeah. texture and tone I think is really lovely so layering mm. layering texture on texture I think if you start with a really simple it doesn't have to be a particularly complicated palette or a complicated fit out or a complicated interior I think truly if you have um, beautiful light and beautiful lighting and then some lovely kind of textural elements um, you can't really go wrong truthfully yeah. um, and and the old like that old like you know, get dressed and then take one thing off. <laughs> like don't put everything in the recipe. You know what I'm saying? The bouillabaisse does not need like four different kinds of paprika. So just don't overdo it. Yeah. Simplify, simplify. Um, and then, you know, quality will always sit well with quality. We have this kind of principle of we will never, um, we will never look at a, you know, a reproduction or a fake item. And we've been asked too many times before in the past, um, so we always advocate for good quality, long lasting. I mean, I had a client who was exceptionally wealthy. Um, and at one point I had to say to them, stop buying stuff. Like, stop. You've got to stop buying stuff. Like, don't buy just for the sake of buying because you're just accumulating for the sake of accumulating. Um, buy, choose, choose, you know, choose exquisite or exceptional pieces and buy fewer of them and hold on to them forever. That's kind mm. of the aim of the game. I think yeah. really good quality is completely enduring. And I'm sure that's, you know, that's that, that in itself is not a new concept. You know, I'm sure for you guys as, you know, when you design a brand, you want the brand to last forever, right? Like, sure, it might need to be renovated in 10 or 15 years or 20 years or what have you, but yeah. you would you would expect that a really good brand lasts. Um, yeah, yeah. And it should be the same for for you know the the things that we put into the space we inhabit do you think the majority of people um i mean i've i I can't remember how many houses i lived i think it was 50 something i'm 56 but it's insane number of places i've lived and not including hotels okay (laughs) including including, you know england canada japan england you know canada like all over the place you know a lot of sydney probably even 15 places in sydney actually it's insane Um, but some people have are, are fortunate enough, I think, to have lived and grown up in one place or had one house. Mm-hmm. And I love those homes that are actually have, that have kind of, I guess, over time have um, not filled themselves up, 
but there are things in them that are that are kind of like they're they're things that have kind of accumulated over time that are so macerated. yeah they've macerated they're like or like they've kind of like aged like a good wine like yeah yeah patina yeah. yeah it's kind of a, it's a nice kind of thing yeah. isn't it it's like as opposed to i mean i know in the past I, i've moved you know when i've moved i've gone right okay we've got to go to ikea we've got to get everything on saturday <laughs> we've got to get everything we're moving out in the afternoon let's go get everything for the house you know and you go yeah. get everything everything the kitchen the beds the it's like you just start from scratch again yes it's kind yeah. of like a partially exciting um but also it just doesn't feel very real does it and you're right when you say you know i'd rather have an empty house and have one chair i'd absolutely adore yeah um, but not everybody thinks that way because they just think about being practical and going you know i just i didn't need a chair I need a I need a table. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah, look, I think, um, look, we, we're often, we're often engaged to, to build, to design and to build forever homes, but we're in, we're often engaged or tasked with starting almost from scratch mm. with the exception of usually a couple of key pieces and some artwork. Mm. Um, and, and that will be because there's typically in my experience with our clients specifically, it's been a case of major change of life. And so they've had a big life event and and that's precipitated this kind of move or build or what have you it's it's a it's a much less if 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 ever i think you know a, a case of people flipping houses or like every yeah. three to four years that's not what we do because our projects yeah. usually take three years to finish so wow. um so i would say that it's really important to leave room for people to kind of to grow into them yeah I, we don't like whilst we will be engaged to, to do everything down to the sheets and the bedding and the napkins and the cutlery um, on almost every project, we don't, we don't advocate for filling every space just for the sake of it. I think you have to hold, you have to keep some space. Mm. It's like you have to keep some quiet in your life, you know, otherwise it's just, it's too much noise. So when you, when you shoot, so when the people move in and they love it, and everything's in its place because you, you know, you've chosen the sheets and everything. Yeah. Do you come back to do a shoot and then and kind of go, what the hell is that teddy bear yeah. doing on that Finally. couch? And what yeah. what do you do? Are you horrified? And then I, and then I quietly move it out of shot. <laughs> and I quietly move it back in. Oh, you do. It does reappear. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, people will will put their own spin on things and fuck power to them like good on them you know yeah, no that's cool no that's one should cool. call me and go no, no, do you no. mind if i put this on the no it's your house like yeah, god yeah, yeah. go for it i did my best <laughs> yeah yeah well what, I, I mean i guess what it does is helps people become more confident in that in their environment i guess they start to learn mm. rub, rubs off on them and they feel different as a result what about sustainability i mean what um i was talking to my mom in england she's very big on the bed facing the right way uh, I think in England it should be facing your head. Your bed head should be facing south. In in Australia, it should be facing north. Do you look? Do you look into all that? Because it's like whether a bed has any metal in it. Um, all this kind of stuff is really oh, apparently we, it's quite yeah. uh, significant influence on your quality of your your health and your sleep. Absolutely. So um, so what I, I was sleep standing is, up by the way. So just what to was be, that? I sleep standing up just to be safe. You know, I just like. <laughs> Like and with your feet on the ceiling, like and tied up, is that? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, hey, like, hey, that's getting okay. weird. That's getting weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, we so sustainability. We we don't do enough 
is the really honest answer mm-hmm. to that. Um, I don't think anyone's doing enough, but we definitely don't do enough on the sustainable sustainability front. And what I mean by that is we have this virtue. I mean, by virtue of being at the arse end of the earth and freight being a major component of everything we consume and not, and not having enough production within Australia to um, then is maybe ideal. It's, it's always going to be a bit of a challenge. So I think, there's little micro things that we can do. Like, yeah. you know, we have two green bins. We don't put any waste in our bin unless it's like completely uncompostable or unrecyclable. Like yeah. those little things all of us can do. That's one thing. But in terms of design and building, I think that, um, yeah, there's things like, you know, looking at the off-gassing of certain products, um, you know, looking at um, the Wi-Fi and, and how that's affecting, you know, like what all of those waves are doing. Like there's, plenty of stuff but we're really not doing enough is the honest answer um we certainly look at things like natural sunlight aspect um we'll always specify kind of the more environmentally friendly of of options but i would have to say that we're also very guilty of um you know importing a lot yeah and and we need to get better at well there's quite quite a lot happening in australia now there's a lot of really cool things you know furniture yeah, uh, we're getting better. So. I was so funny. We're on, I was on site earlier today and um, my builder was, one of the builders was working with, we had a, a light delivered and he was like, oh, it looks amazing. It must be really expensive. I said, it's this amazing maker in Melbourne and it came from Melbourne, mate. Like it didn't come from Europe. It's awesome. Yeah. And it was made here. Fantastic. <laughs> so, it so I feel like that, that is definitely happening. Um, but I feel as though, sorry about that. Um, but I feel as though it's, it's still in its infancy. It's in its kind of embryonic phase. Yeah. I was getting a bit of a cold recently <laughs> on my chest. And so I, I, I got the, a builder to come around because I thought, is my place damp? So I got, he came around with his meters and it's not damp. And then this lady who's a, what's she called? Like a biotech natural house expert. I, I, I can't remember what the word her name was or, or what the, the term was, but basically she looks at the health of a place of a house like the light the paint the paint finish any kind of toxicity Mm -hmm. in the house because actually there's cleaners too that come around if you if you have a cleaner um that that can not use uh chemical cleaning products which again they feel strongly that you know people people some people believe that toothpaste you know can be really damaging to your gut um and you know there's there's alternatives for that so i kind of yeah something can look amazing but equally should be healthy healthy for you or or yeah opposite yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah, absolutely Um, obviously i think that's probably going to become a a growing area i think 100 percent. 100 speaking of gut um (laughs) have you learned to uh, train yourself to trust your gut has this happened over time it's happened over time but it uh i've always been fairly decisive Mm -hmm. um and I, and I totally trust my gut. I would say that it, that kind of, that question probably harks back to something that we were talking about at the very beginning, which is, you know, the, the whole, the whole owning a business, having people, you know, having clients, yeah. employing people, it teaches you so much about yourself. And I think it also creates, it also forces you to become very aware. And where I'm going with that is that trusting your gut you have to ask, is this my ego talking or is this really Uh the right thing to do? And you just got to work out which voice is kind of 
yelling louder inside. Not that I have multiple voices in my head, but you know okay. what I'm saying? Like, you know, you either feel something really strongly because it's the right thing for you or for the people that, you know, are around you, or you feel really strongly about something because there's like, I don't know, some unrequited part of you that's like, fuck it, I have to prove a point. And um, <laughs> the longer I, the older I am and the longer I've done this for, the better I am at getting to, to kind of weeding out the, the one that says, you know, it's trying to prove a point. That's a cool answer. Um, what, what inspires you outside of work? Sounds oh, like, sounds like you got a canary there. Have you got a canary? Uh, no, no, I've got a lot or of maybe... birds, but they're not mine. Oh, right. Yeah, me too. There's a whole jungle of them out there. Yeah, totally. Um, what inspires me? What inspires me? Oh God. Art's probably a really, like is, is probably a really big passion of mine. And I say that from the, I, I say that from the perspective of someone who is still very much a novice when it comes to the art world. Um, I often don't know what I'm looking at or why I'm looking at it, but I know that I'm reacting to it. So um, I dig that because I feel like it's really cool to be able to listen to a piece of music or look at an artwork and have a reaction, mm. but not necessarily articulate that in an academic or an intellectual way. Just know it, just feel it. So it's very sensory. Um, so art's a huge inspiration. Travel when we can do it and when we can do it again. Yeah. Um, also equally um, inspiring. Um, I, I, I was saying to someone earlier today that I'm actually not having my 40th next Tuesday. My 40th is not happening unless I'm lying on a catamaran in the Mediterranean floating somewhere <laughs> off the coast of Formentera, <laughs> drinking a Negroni uh, from Plastic Cup. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah, travel, friends, um, film. Film is really inspiring. Mm. Um, what else? Outside, man. Outside. The light yeah, outside yeah, of our yeah. house is just phenomenal. Like pretty much at all time of the day. What's the future for the business? What do you, what do you, you got any plans for anything you want to talk about? Uh, yeah. So uh, what's the future? Um, the future is to get, to get fucking better at everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty simple, really. Like we just want to work with really great people. Yeah. Have a really great time doing it. Yeah. Um, and produce some really beautiful quality stuff. So it's really like we work on this kind of um, low volume, high quality mm. kind of mantra. And um, and I hope to be able to do that for a really long time to come and to be able to work in a sustainable way. So, you know, not burn ourselves out. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, um, in terms of longer term, um, definitely when we can to be doing more overseas work mm. and um, love to do some work in New Zealand would love to do some new to work in the west coast of the states. Yeah. That'd be amazing because I'd love to just have an opportunity to visit my brother and yeah. niece and nephew and sister in law. Um, and hopefully, yeah, we'll probably look to open an office over there eventually. Oh, that'd be it's, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you feel? Do you think you've designed your life? I think I've designed my life. I don't know if I've designed my business yet. Okay. Yeah. Like, I feel like I've designed the business, but I haven't designed the design of the business yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's unfolding right now. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's just... I might never stop unfolding. Who knows? Yeah, 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 exactly. It's, it's something that you just can keep, keep chipping away at it and just working mm. on how to improve it. Yeah. But, it, but you, you guys are doing phenomenal work and um, incredible uh, body of work that you've done uh, over the last few years, and you should be very proud of of that and the business you've grown and the team that you've got with you and your family, et cetera, is really, uh, 
you're making a positive difference in the world, which is really cool. Oh, thank you. Thanks very much. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been so nice to, uh, to catch up with you. Uh, All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening in to this week's episode of Design Your Life from Lego to Skyscrapers with Decus Interior founder Alexandra Donahoe Church. Tune in next week where we'll be catching up with the legendary architect Carl Fender. Thanks for listening to this episode of Design Your Life. If you'd like to find out more about how you can design your life, head to the website at designyourlife.com.au. If you found this episode inspiring, please don't forget to review and subscribe. If you have any ideas or like to get in touch, we would love to hear from you. Send us an email at hello at frostcollective.com.au.